0: Welcome, everybody, to episode 10 of the 20 Bell Salute, right here on the Wrestle Addict Radio Patreon page. I am Mr. Fratz from the Game Changer Podcast. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TheLegendaryJF. Today, we are going back in time to June 2000. In movies, video games, TV, music, news, pop culture, and of course wrestling. Where I will be talking about WCW's Great American Bash and the WWE's King of the Ring. However, before I get there, I have a few notable releases to talk about. Stay tuned. Starting off here in the movies, we have Me, Myself, and Irene, an American black comedy film directed by the Farrelly Brothers, starring... Jim Carrey, Renee Zellweger, Chris Cooper, Robert Foster, Richard Jenkins, Daniel Green, Anthony Anderson, and Jared Nixon. Now, this film is about a Rhode Island, Rhode Island state trooper named Charlie who, after years of continuously suppressing his rage and feelings, suffers a psychotic breakdown that results in a second personality, Hank and this is of course uh, carrie's first role in a 20th century fox film and the second film with the farrelly brothers the first one being dumb and dumber released in 1994. now we have the plot here with as i just said charlie with being a rhode island state trooper has been taken advantage by those around him including his wife layla trailer howard Almost immediately after their wedding, Layla begins to cheat on Charlie with their with their limo driver, a uh, short person named Shantae. and I can't think of uh, of the actor's real name here right now. You're gonna have to uh, for- forgive me for that as I go through the. Wikipedia page here and see nothing. Okay, so you have uh, Charlie just refusing to accept it, despite his friends warning him of Layla's infidelity, even after giving birth to African American triplets. A few years later, you know, Layla leaves with Shantae, abandoning her children, leaving Charlie to raise the triplets, Jamal, Lee Harvey, and Shantae Jr., who are Anthony Anderson, Jared Mixon, and Mongo Brownlee. You know, Charlie is loved by the boys, but abused by the rest of the town, kind of being a a cuck. I don't know if that's a good term to use today. So Charlie develops a split personality named Hank to deal with the confrontations that Charlie avoids. Emerging whenever Charlie is in extreme stress, Hank is an over-the-top, rude, and violent persona, reminiscent of players uh, characters. I'm sorry, played by Clint Eastwood. And the movie throughout the movie is just a whole bunch of hijinks and. He meets Renee Zellweger. You know, there's this really funny and gross visual gag of uh, of the split personality coming out when uh, Charlie's neighbor steals either he steals the newspaper or does something. So, or no, the dog the dog his dog takes a dump on on Charlie's lawn. So. Uh, What's it? Hank comes out and then he proceeds to grab a newspaper and, well, he does his business on the lawn. And you see an extreme close up of chocolate soft serve ice cream being served just as uh, Hank was relieving himself, resulting in one of the, the funniest visual gags of the time. Uh, I, I think I even watched this movie in theaters. I know I watched it with, uh, my girlfriend who I would be dating later in 2000. You're going to be hearing a little bit about her because, you know, she was my first girlfriend and it was, uh, it was a nice relationship. I thought it's too bad we didn't work out. So, uh, yeah, this is just your classic Wacky comedy, split personalities. This was my first exposure to things like split uh, split personalities and psychotic breakdowns. And th- this movie is just absolutely freaking hilarious. And I highly recommend it. I'm going to hunt it down. I'm going to see if it's on Netflix or if it's anywhere streaming. Uh, maybe after I record this half of the podcast. Movie I won't be revisiting... Oh, stars Nicholas Cage. It's gone in 60 seconds. Uh, it's an action heist film starring Nicholas Cage, Angelina Jolie, Giovanni Ribisi, Christopher Elkelson, Robert Duvall, Vinnie Jones, and Will Patton. And this is a loose remake of the 1974 film of the same name. And this is just another... I think this is like a, car, a gang car-stealing movies. I watched this when it came out, and I enjoyed it at the time. But this came out so, so close to The Fast and the Furious that it seemed that both of these movies were parodying each other or ripping each other off. But yeah, this is just, you know, car-stealing, gang heists. I liked it at the time. It's been about 20 years since I've watched this movie, Although I have a hilarious story about uh, renting it later in the year. uh, My friends uh, Dave and Sean and I decided to go to my uh, local video rental store. Called, and I kid you not, Brock Buster. Now for context, I grew up in Brock Township in Ontario, Canada. How that place didn't get sued is a bloody miracle because we were about a half hour away from an actual blockbuster video. And, you know, I, I knew the owners of, uh, of the video store quite well, you know, because, you know, being in a small town, everybody knows everybody. And this was, you know, one of the, I think by 2000, it was one of the two places in Cannington. You could rent movies. The other one being our small town general store. So we go to rent this movie and get a whole bunch of food. My buddy parks literally on the opposite side of the road, directly across from it. You know, it's dark out, I couldn't tell whose car was who, and I wound up in the back seat of someone else's car. Luckily, this was the mother of uh, one of my classmates, and I just said, you know, sorry Mrs. Robinson, And and then the, you know... Here's to you, Mrs. Robinson, just started going in my head. I shut the door, and Dave and Sean are in the car behind her, peeing themselves, laughing. Classic frets, embarrassing himself. I have a lot of embarrassing stories, and I think I've been trying to phase them all out of my memory, but this one came back to mind as I was researching. Gone in 60 seconds. Thanks, brain. I appreciate that. Next up here we have, we have Chicken Run. This is a uh, claymation animated movie based on a uh, a British, uh, th- I think it was b- based on a, a British cartoon or British series. Uh, I don't remember this one. It was uh, the highest grossing stop motion animated film. In history you know, this was done by DreamWorks and the French studio Pathé which was their first feature-length film and it starred Phil Daniels Lynn Ferguson Mel Gibson Tony Haygarth Jane Horrocks Miranda Richardson Julia Sawathia Timothy Spall Imelda Staunton and Benjamin Withrow and I only recognized one name in there and his name of course Mel gibson as unpopular as that name might be today he was well he was there and this next movie here was one that i actually remembered a little bit vividly and i know i saw this one in theaters uh this was the perfect storm an american biographical disaster drama film di- directed by Wolfgang Peterson. This is based on the 1997 nonfiction book of the same name by Sebastian Junger. This uh, tells the story of Andrea Gale, a commercial fishing vessel that was lost at sea with all hands after being caught in the perfect storm of 1991. Now, the perfect storm, a.k.a. the no-name storm and the Halloween Gale Slash Storm, was a nor'easter that absorbed... Hurricane Grace and ultimately evolved into a small unnamed hurricane itself late in its life cycle. Now the initial area of low pressure pressure developed off the coast of Atlantic Canada on October 29th. Forcing a southward ridge to its north it reached its peak in intensity and it, it reached its peak intensity as a large and powerful cyclone. Now, this was an absolutely crazy. Uh, it was a storm inside of a storm. And it resulted in uh, thirteen fatalities, uh, over two hundred million dollars in damage, and it affected the northeastern United States, the mid, some mid-Atlantic states, and. Parts of Newfoundland, Labrador, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and actually Ontario. Uh, I don't remember too much of it where where I was living. In 1997, I was 13, so I probably wasn't paying a lot of attention. Although I watched a lot of Weather Channel when I was a teenager. I was obsessed with, with weather, with storms and storm tracking. I wanted to be a meteorologist But my grades kind of gave me a slap in the face uh, on that dream. You know, I, whenever there was like a severe thunderstorm watch or a a tornado warning or a tornado in the area, I kept my eyes glued to the skies and to my TV screen. And uh, for those of you who remember uh, up here in Canada... VR land news but the late Bob McIntyre one of my favorite weathermen in history slack you might might remember him although you're a little bit younger than me so yeah this is a film a uh, you know it's a it's a non-fiction so it actually happened as I said starring George Clooney Mark Wahlberg Diane Lane William Fitchner, John C Riley to name a few and uh yeah th- this was a crazy crazy movie you know it's just one of your classic natural disaster movies of the late 90s early aughts being you know like twister or dante's peak or as i said here the perfect storm this was released on june 30th by warner brothers and grossed about 328 million worldwide now it received mixed reviews with about a 47 approval rating on rotten tomatoes if you think they're actually a worthy source of measuring movies it was a box office boss ugh, box office success debuting with 42 million ahead of sony's the patriot another movie that was that was uh, made this month with mel gibson uh Actually, I better get into that one right now because this was another really, really big release. It depicts the story of an American colonist loyal to the British Crown who is swept into the American Revolutionary War when his family is affected. And it's yeah, it's one of these uh, films that took place during the southern part of the of the Revolutionary War. With Mel Gibson, Heath Ledger, Joey Richardson, Chris Cooper, Tom Wilkinson, name a few. Yeah, it's one of those historical movies, and I, I never watched it. If I can be completely honest with you, uh, I didn't watch this next movie as well, although it was really, really big. It was Titan A.E., a American animated post apocalyptic science fiction film, uh, directed by oh Don Bluth, and that alone is a reason for me to watch it. It featured the voices of Matt Damon, Bill Pullman, Drew Barrymore, John Leguizamo, Nathan Lane, Janine Graffalo, Ron Perlman, and Tone Locke. Now, the title refers to a spacecraft central to the plot with AE meaning after Earth. So, and I, I looked at this movie poster and I remember this one, a lot of people had, uh, had this uh had this cassette actually i know a lot of friends who had this movie uh the animation of the film combines 2d traditional hand-drawn animation with the extensive use of computer generated imagery produced by fox studios as its second and final film and project the film was released on june 16th it received mixed reviews and actually made a loss at the box office so for some this might have been like a underrated hit but this didn't do very well now on to the music of june 2000 and holy crap we have a stacked month in releases starting with deftones white pony which featured the song change the queens of the stone age rated r which i believe is their debut album white stripes be still little kim notorious K.I.M. I see what you did there Ooh, this one's big. Bon Jovi's Crush, which featured It's My Life. You know, Bon Jovi has always been in and around the scene since the 80s. And this was their major, in my mind, their major comeback. You know, It's My Life is a song that's going to rule the rest of 2000. Uh, Nelly, Country Grammar, which I believe featured uh, Ride With Me. No effects. Pump Up the Valium. That one's for you, Wakely. I love you, brother. I miss you. And Afro Man's Because I Got High. In video games, we had Jet Set Radio and Marvel Cap- vs. Marvel Capcom 2 for the Dreamcast. We had Deuce X for the PlayStation 1. We had Mortal Kombat Special Forces. Now, this was when Mortal Kombat decided to make two very different non-fighting games to kind of branch out of the genre and maybe give characters some depth. So this was like your top-down shooter Contra rip-off with, with Jax, the uh, the African-American man with the two robotic arms. And of course, this would follow with uh, Mortal Kombat Mythologies Sub-Zero. Oh, no. No. in tv we had family guys let's all go to the hop which featured peter griffin going back to high school because uh he was trying to get the kids not to um lick hallucinogenic toads they were causing a lot of bad trips because a uh, a, a poisonous peruvian toad infestation had affected quahog and this kid kind of fell on a toad face first his tongue came out of his face and hallucinated in front of his friends resulting in everyone you know doing kermit as uh, as tom tucker would say and we had damn it janet you know an episode where a stewie falls in love with a a young preschooler named janet uh this featured my favorite cutaway gag in the history of the show with, uh, you can't leave Dad home alone. Last time he turned the house into a giant puppet. So Peter Peter managed to fashion his roof into a puppet. Hey, stay out of here. I'm the Griffin's house. Bring me a tool shed, for I am hungry. Still makes me laugh to this day. And still my favorite cutaway joke of all time. Yes, it's better than the Conway Tweety jokes. Yes, it's better than the Mick Jagger, David Bowie one where they showed the entirety of that dancing in the street music video. Yikes. There's something about Polly where Peter befriends a mobster named big fat Polly. Uh, and then he's too sexy for his fat where, uh, Peter befriends this, uh, plastic surgeon who makes Peter into a ripped hunk. Uh, A show here debuts that ends up being one of the biggest shows in TV history as it's entering its 40th season, Survivor. Now, uh, we all know what Survivor is. You pluck a whole bunch of people onto an island in parentheses. uh, you You break them up into tribes. You do challenges and you vote people off. Now, I watched the first maybe four seasons of survivor until I got really tired of it because they never did what I think would make a true survivor is that you change the climate you get out of this tropical you get out of this tropical island where you're probably just a stone throw away from a resort you're staying in a hotel you're not really eating bugs and staying in tents this shit was fake It was as fake as wrestling. I mean, come on. What they really should have done is like Survivor Yellowknife in January. Then you'll see where the real people step up. Survivor Northern Manitoba. Heck, I would take Survivor Gray Bruce County, County outside in January than any of these islandy australia or samoa or fiji or like cuba they really should have switched up the climates once in a while uh i did enjoy it at the time you know i loved the second season because it featured uh you know one of the most infamous characters in history you know the jerry you know the famous you know the bitch uh for me i was cheering for that uh that black lady who was like a ex-drill sergeant or something. She got voted off near the end and I was devastated. And another show debuted here and only lasted a few episodes just because ABC screwed them. And it was Clerks, the animated series, you know. An adult animated sitcom, which is of course based on Kevin Smith's movie Clerks. Uh. Made by View Askew. And. uh, Yeah. This was. So funny. So strange. I mean you had the voices of Jeff Anderson. Jason News. Brian or Hallahan. The the two former Jason and Brian I met. At Comic Con. And they were both very funny. And Kevin Smith. I didn't get to meet him unfortunately. Because he was on on a different day. So Clerks the Animated Series produced by Miramax and View Askew Productions in association with Touchstone Television. Now the broadcast history based on this is something else. I mean, you also had the voices of Alec Baldwin, Walt Flanagan, uh, you know, from Comic Book Men, Charles Barkley in a couple of episodes as random cameos. Alec Baldwin plays Leonardo Leonardo, like the one of the Uh, villains of the show and this only ran for six episodes i think two of which never saw the light of day until the dvds come out which is an absolute travesty because this one ended up being a uh last starfighter in temple of doom spoof (laughs) so We have the episodes of Leonardo, Leonardo returns, and Dante has an important decision to make. Jeez, talk about alliteration in your title themes, guys. So you see, Leonardo returns to Leonardo, New Jersey, and opens the quicker stop across from the quick stop, which, of course, takes away all of Dante and Randall's customers, nearly putting them out of business. The duo goes out to stop Leonardo, uncovering his plot to enslave all of humanity, but... Or scath during an appearance at town hall. Jay and Silent Bob have been selling illegal fireworks to children. Inadvertently blow up the quicker stop. <laughs> oh. I gotta watch Clerks after this maybe. So the next one was a clip show. <laughs> you had, you had a, a cartoon series. That was in it's second episode. And it was a clip show. Here's the thing. The first episode never aired. This episode wasn't seen until the DVDs were released. So they were flashing back to an episode that nobody saw. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So this is the one where Dante and Randall get locked in the freezer at the store and remember some of their great moments of their lives. Like when uh, Dante lost his virginity. It's like, you know, I can't stop thinking about Kate Manbree. You know, I lost my virginity to her. And it shows a a clip of, you know, them in the backseat of a car, you know, about to go to business. And, you know, Randall's like, duh, I know. I was there. So, you know, they go down. And (laughs) Randall breaks out a video camera. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's like half of these episodes. I'm looking at the wiki now. Half of these episodes didn't air. I think only two made it to air and ABC just totally turned the screw to them. Uh, so ABC picked them up before the series was can- was, was cancelled. Uh, several factors contributed to the cancellation, which included low ratings, the show not fitting in with ABC's other programming, un- an unsuccessful testing screen- screening to older audiences, and... ABC's decision to air the shows out of order, so the second episode, the flashback one, is their first. And you had another one where uh, Patrick Swayze either does or doesn't work in the new pet store. Uh, okay. <laughs> and yeah, and then there's this uh, this courtroom one that that actually aired was one of the two episodes that really aired and I remember this because I watched this in my buddy Dave's basement you know the same buddy Dave that I watch all my pay-per-views at at the time so Randall is left in charge of the quick stop as a result of a bet between him and Dante Jay sues the quick stop for 10 million dollars after slipping on Randall's spilled soda Randall is Dante's lawyer for the case while Judge Reinhold presides, this wouldn't be the only time they made that joke. I believe the same visual gag was made in... No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Um, I was trying to think of the movie Fanboys, but Lando Carizian played the judge. Or was it Carrie Fisher? I can't remember. I'm going to watch that again, too. Jeez, man. I'm not quarantined. I don't have time for this shit. So, several NBA players are members of the jury, including you know, Charles Barkley and Patrick Ewing. Uh, and then at the end of this, there's this disclaimer informing the audience that the remainder of the episode was lost, and the new ending was written by the Korean animators, which resulted in a whole whack of non-sequiturs in bad Japanese English, if you will. There's the effort. There was the aforementioned uh, last Starfighter and Temple of Doom parody and a high school reunion, which was amazing, and this thing called the last episode ever. You know, they Dante and Randall work inside the Quick Stop, discussing various things after they are told they need to make the show more similar to Clerks, the movie, the actual Clerks. Meanwhile, outside, Dante is supposed to have a date with Caitlin Bree. Jane, and Silent Bob go to a fair, where havoc ensues, of course. Walt and Steve Dave need stuff. Leonardo finds a soccer team on his roof. And Dante keeps getting called by a guy who wants to show him the truth about the Matrix. Eventually, due to a phone call unknowingly being made to the president, the army surrounds the quick stop. The president is attacked by hookers and vampires. Who were enraged to find the RST video closed? Dante and Randall finally go outside where the animators put him in the awkward situations until it is revealed that Jay is the animator behind it all. What a trip. This is another thing I'm going to have to watch later. Uh, an absolutely wacky cartoon. Uh, if you were not a fan of of clerks mall rats and dogma you probably didn't get the jokes in this you probably didn't appreciate it but my goodness i did and yeah i'm probably gonna watch the clerk's cartoon right after i stop recording this bit because the other half of the 20 bell salute is on its way and oh boy we got WCW Great American Bash before I get to cover the amazing King of the Ring 2000. Man, an absolutely crazy crazy month in all these releases. I didn't really talk too much about Jet Set Radio, but this was kind of like a a video game where you're a rollerblader and you're doing graffiti, so it's kind of like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Oh man, by the way, I can't wait for the Tony Hawk Pro Skater remake. It, it's, it, that's gonna be whack. You know, Marvel vs. Capcom 2. You were realizing your your dreams, your schoolyard uh fantasies about what would happen if Ryu fought Wolverine. Uh Wolverine's, you know, Wolverine would kill him. I mean, it's 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 that simple. But then I'm thinking, like, okay, what about juggernaut versus zangief you know m bison versus captain america the possibilities were endless and my goodness if they had released a a marvel versus capcom game today with like all of capcom and all of marvel uh that roster would be massive you know I, i think this is also a fighting game that featured mega man which would be, you know, one of his first, you know, quote-unquote fighting game roles. I don't remember anything about Deuce X, but holy crap. Uh, Yeah, and what was I doing in June 2000? While I was finishing off 10th grade, I was hanging out at my local youth group every week. uh, And I was just having fun, having a good time. Being 16, That's that's all I that's all I can remember. So stay tuned for the second half of the twenty bell salute. And welcome back to the 20 Bell Salute, everybody. This is Mr. Fretz. And before I talk about WWE King of the Ring 2000, I have to take a little trip down south to WCW and talk about the goings on there. There are no ECW pay-per-views to speak of this month, so I'll not be covering ECW. So WCW. (sighs) Great. So, down, down in WCW, we got the 14th and final Great American Bash that took place on June 11th, 2000 at the Baltimore Arena in Baltimore, Maryland, in front of 7,031 Baltimoreons who actually paid to see this crap, although I think maybe 7,000 of them were comped. So... Just to pull this off like a like a band-aid on a hairy leg, we have Lieutenant Loco, a.k.a. Lash LaRue, retaining the Cruiserweight Championship against Disco. Except that Disco was spelled with a Q. Oh, right. Cisco, the uh, one-shit wonder rapper that gave us the thong song, Was hot at this point in time. So I guess WCW tried to stay culturally relevant while doing this. Uh, I mean, Lieutenant Loco had the misfits in action. With such luminaries as General Hugh G. Rection. And Major Guns, who is actually a porn star. And G.I. Bro. And uh, Private Stash... Okay, speaking of innuendos, Chronic defeated the Mamelukes in a number one contendership match for the WCW Tag Team Championship. Mike Awesome defeated DDP with Canyon in an ambulance match. Oh, and the aforementioned GI Bro, Booker T defeated Sean Stasiak in a boot camp match. What's a boot camp match? Well, ask sergeant slaughter it's basically a hardcore match with uh army stuff in it shout out to sergeant slaughter who recently followed me on twitter <laughs> shane douglas defeated the wall brother in a tables match scott steiner defeated rick steiner and tank abbott in a handicap asylum match yes the short-lived uh dome cage that kind of looks like uh Miniature version of the Elimination Chamber. Yeah, uh was a very brief gimmick here in WCW. I think it was for Scott Steiner for some reason. Uh, Hulk Hogan defeated Billy Kidman uh, in a number one contender match for the WCW title. Horace Hogan, yes relation, uh, served as a special guest referee. Ric Flair defeated... David Flair accompanied by Vince Russo by submission in a rare father versus son match. Vampiro defeated Sting in a human torch match. Yes, just one year earlier, we had the Inferno match and now WCW wanted a piece of that pie. I believe this match ended with uh, Vampiro and Sting... Climbing up to the top of the uh, the Tron, and uh, a sting-like dummy was set on fire and fell off of said uh, Tron. You know, this is much like the this the same visual of Road Warrior Hawk falling off the Titan Tron on Raw, uh, and in the main event, Jeff Jarrett retained the WCW heavyweight title over Kevin Nash with. Ernest the Cat Miller, the GM, or the Commissioner, or, or something, serving as the special guest enforcer. Yikes, holy crap. Uh, Mance, brother, uh, how did you do it? I mean, if you want to know how, Mance, formerly of the Gift Cod podcast, now of the Delight Show, which I thoroughly enjoy. Uh, want to know how he went through WCW? Well, why don't you go back into... Our archives here on Russell Attic Radio. I believe you'll even find some of them on the... uh, On the former Rant with Ant feed as well. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Mance, I want to know how you got through this crap. Because... Even going through the Wikipedia page itself... And reading this aloud... Is enough of a chore. Oh man. But... You know, next month, I believe we are getting New Blood Rising. Is that the pay-per-view that took place in Vancouver? Because I have a uh, small appreciation for that, mostly due to the antics of one Lance Storm, one of my favorite Canadian wrestlers ever. Hey, maybe that's a fave five, but I already gave you my favorite five wrestlers ever, and I think half of them were actually Canadian. Anyways... On to the goings-on in the WWE, we had King of the Ring 2000, the 8th annual pay-per-view that took place at the Fleet Center in Boston, Massachusetts on June 25th, 2000. The Fleet Center is, of course, the former home of, of the Boston Bruins, my most hated team in all of sports. And... Quite frankly, every other team from Boston. Anyways, shout out to you, Andrew Skawman. <laughs> Even though you're from that area, I still love you. You're still a great dude. We had here seventeen thousand six hundred and fifty-one fans. And man, uh, I have this on DVD. I watch this on the network, and I gotta say that this is a ve- very, very enjoyable show. This was one of my classic, uh, Dave's basement pay-per-views, uh, shout out to my friend Dave, uh, who always liked to have his, uh, basement out for whether we were playing GoldenEye on his big screen TV, whether we were, you know, watching, uh, watching a movie or, or like a hockey or baseball game or whatever. Uh, he was always up for a good time in that basement. Uh, to have central air in the year 2000, you had to be pretty well off. So, sh- shout out to the to the Caustic family there. I hope you're all doing well. You pro- We haven't spoken in a long time. Anyways, uh, Dave's basement was uh, the place of where I watched many pay per views in my uh, in my in my youth, and this was one of them. Chip in a fiver, bring in a couple, bring in a bag of chips and a in a thing of pop chip in for pizza and away we go starting off here we had the new intercontinental champion rikishi going up against chris benoit in a quarterfinals match and my goodness what a pop for the big quiche uh rikishi has been selling a little bit of a kayfabe injury that's going to be uh gonna be a factor throughout the, the whole night here uh Rikishi had won the Intercontinental Title from Chris Benoit on the SmackDown uh, three days before King of the Ring. Uh, Benoit was able to amazingly hit a German Suplex on the near 400 pounder. Uh, I mean, it, it's con. It is it controversial to give a man praise for his talents because. Not only was Benoit an amazing technical wrestler, that guy was hella powerful. If you can suplex Rikishi, then you can do pretty much anything. Uh, and then someone held up a sign <laughs> in the crowd that said, This is not a Chris Benoit sign. Then what is it? <laughs> oh, I loved signs in the Attitude Era. Give Attitude Era signs a follow on, on Twitter. I think they might still be active. But uh, to give two more people uh, <laughs> a follow, it's unrelated, but as it's in my mind, there is a GIF. It's a What Will Mongo Do Next? And it's something but Mongo gifts. Steve Mongo McMichael, short-lived wrestler, football player, commentator. And I think it's like The Adventures of, of Psycho Sid, Sid Vicious. One of my favorite wrestlers of all time, but <laughs> uh, he was unintentionally hilarious for... Botchmania related reasons. Shout out to you, Mafu. So we see the crossface crossface was tried to be applied here. Uh but then Chris Benoit couldn't get the job done. He hits a steel chair to the arm of Rikishi, giving it a really nasty bruise. Benoit is disqualified and eliminated from the tournament, but there is a post-match beat down here. Chris Benoit keeps working him and hitting him with chairs and locking in the crossface. Uh all the refs and legends come in to help break it up. And while the uh, they were trying to stop Chris Benoit from leaping off the top rope, Benoit leaps over them with an Air Canada onto Rikishi's injured shoulder. Uh, backstage, we see the McMahons kind of talking strategy and kind of, uh you know, being a little bit frantic about their main event match. Uh. And Vince is you like, know, Linda, she's trying to make me lose my cool, but I'm Joe cool. Uh, this is kind of pre, like, raspy or intense McMahon who says you're fired. This is Vince who's, uh, he's trying, Linda is trying to make me lose my cool, but I'm Joe cool. Okay, he goes away, and Shane's like, he's not cool. He's not cool, everybody. Uh, <laughs> this, this is good. Uh, another quarterfinal match here. Eddie Guerrero going up against Val Venus. Oh, my goodness. Take my money. What a fantastic tec- technical match here. Eddie accompanied by his mamacita, China, and Val Venus with his valet, Trish Stratus. Trish, Val, TNA, T v and a oh i get it now wwe you dirty dogs you yeah i got it when i was 16 shut up so we have two really gifted wrestlers going out there giving it their all and they're chanting for tits i mean i was 16 as i said in the year 2000 i would have been chanting for tits too um We see a money shot off the top rope for Val, but Eddie gets the knees up. China tosses Trish around like a rag doll. There is a perfect plex and a win for Val Venus. And if you want a little bit of uh, irony here... Wait, no? Yes, a little bit of irony here. Uh, These four are going to be involved in a title match at SummerSlam. What title is it? You're going to have to wait and find out. It's the Intercontinental. (laughs) See, you didn't have to wait that long, huh? Uh, backstage pat patterson looks for an outfit oh no i just realized it's on this show uh, turn the page coming up oh oh here we go in the background of this next match i'm gonna give you the entrance theme here of one Bulb buchanan going up against crash holly in a quarter final match this theme song My goodness, it's a banger. And if you're a fan of the Attitude Era podcast like I am, they put this theme over massively. There's just something about this theme. I absolutely love it. Sorry for the silverware there. Uh, I was having a snack on my desk here. So we have Bob Buchanan, who had just broken off from the big boss man. Coming up as a single star. While he would be kind of aimless and directionless for a couple of months. You know, Bull would of course join the right sensor, But for a few short weeks or months, he came out to this banger. And of course, if you watched Velocity in the year 2002 like I did, he also had it then. (laughs) Anyways, we have here the look on Bull... Bob Buchanan's face here when he was coming out to the ring. Even Jerry Lawler was like, oh my god. Uh, He had that killer instinct. These big, bulging eyes. This big, bulging, probably steroid-using man. And of course, we know he'd be B-squared. John Cena's short-lived bodyguard. 6'8", 296 pounds. I mean, look at this guy. Vince McMahon's like, there's a lot of beef here. Oh, I can do wonders with this guy. He's muscular, he's agile, he looks like a roided up stone cold. Uh, yeah, what could have been with this guy? But then, you know, he had to speak. Uh, what could have B squared been? Imagine B squared versus John Cena at WrestleMania. Anyways, uh, he misses a scissors kick and Crash Idol. Crash Holly, gosh, cradles him for the quick win and he bails. The Houdini of Hardcore. He wins and he disappears. And now backstage, Vince and Linda are talking. It's like, you meddle in my business. You slapped your own daughter. You brought back the undertaker, you rehired stone cold Steve Austin. You are meddling in my business, Linda. Uh yeah, I'm not doing Vince's non Argh! voice cuz it's less fun and that other Pritchard voice is easier to impersonate. And and sweet zombie Linda, my goodness, just the stone look on her face. Uh, emotionless, robotic. No wonder she's on the Trump campaign. Um, (laughs) uh, It's like, well, in this situation, Vince, you're not going to book a 12-on-3 handicap match. We're going to have things play down the middle. We're going to have things fair. Next quarterfinal match here, which I think is the last one. Uh, Kurt Angle versus Chris Jericho. Man, this is good. So... Kurt Angle is out there slagging all the Boston teams. Aw, oh, remember when Boston teams sucked? Oh man. Those were the days he's like, I'm fat, I'm unemployed, get me another beer. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> uh fun fact about that day is that, yeah, the that the day of King of the Ring, uh, the Boston Red Sox lost to my Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, <laughs> uh, I miss baseball. My goodness, stupid coronavirus and ownership and, anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, Tony Batista hits the uh, uh, winning run f- in the thirteenth inning. No relation to Jose Batista, bat flip guy. Maybe different spelling. <clears throat> so. We have here, there was a slow count by Teddy every time uh, Chris Jericho was trying to get a, uh, get a win here. Or Angle. I think he was slow counting just about everybody. An Angle slam here is counted into the walls of Jericho. And Steph comes out? And nails Chris. Uh, tried to nail Chris with the Women's Championship. But hit uh, Kurt Angle instead. Jericho forces himself on her. Assault! Assault! Angle Slam, Kurt wins. Okay. Uh Vincent Shane are, are backstage talking more. Uh, Foley and Ivory are at WWF New York. Oh, hey, remember that place? Yeah, I'm going to be talking about, about that this year a lot. Maybe. And they're just talking about uh, King of the Ring and uh, Mick Foley puts over Kurt Angle here, which is surprising not really because they're they're good mates uh next here for the tag titles we had edge and christian tna the hardy boys and champions too cool uh and we have here one of the best um photographer uh five second poses ever and it had to do with uh the curse of the bambino we have here bean town photography uh in you know Edge uh, Edge and Christian, there's a there's a uh, there's a Mets jersey, and they call this the best moment in Boston sports. Of course, that is uh, Bill Buckner in the 1986 World Series. Uh, you know, just trying to catch a line drive at first base, it gets by, it gets by, and Mookie Wilson wins the World Series for the Mets, extending the curse of the Bambino, which I think was was broke i think not long after this uh and the champs too cool hit the ring thanks to josie and kid rock if you saw that episode of raw you get a can of coke and we have an amazing feat of strength and agility here uh first off albert presses jeff over his head for a gorilla press and then jeff reverses and he kind of lands on his feet uh trish hits lita this of course is uh the genesis of their feud that would go on for years and years. Uh, Lita slaps Test. Uh, there's a pump handle on Matt. Albert charges in the corner, but misses. Jeff hits the Swanton, and TNA is gone. And after a whole bunch of schmozes back and forth and stuff here, Christian hits the Not often hit at this point in time. Impaler, a.k.a. the Kill Switch or the Imprettier. And the Hardys are gone. And then there's a hip hop drop. There's a belt shot. And new tag team champions, Edge and Christian. uh, After it broke down, after the first elimination, this whole thing was a schmoz. This is only memorable for that Bill Buckner, Mookie Wilson bit, which was absolutely hilarious. Uh, My goodness. We have the semi-final match here with Val Venus going up against Rikishi. Rikishi's shoulder injury is still playing a major role here. There's a big-ass bruise on his arm. It looks really ugly. And, of course, this would be a future feud. I'm going to be getting to that at Fully Loaded. And, oh my gosh, you can watch Fully Loaded ahead of me. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, Val Venus and Rikishi have a cage match. And it's just... Banana pants. It's crazy. This is a really quick match. Uh, Valvinus is trying to work the shoulder. But... Uh, uh, Rikishi wins with a belly-to-belly. And then uh Valvinas comes in and hits Rikishi in the shoulder with stairs. And Trish almost gets flattened by Rikishi. I think... Uh, 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 he wasn't going for the stink face he was going to bonsai drop her and that would probably flatten those those implants uh, that she that she had at those point in time those hilarious comedy breasts and then the next match here i thought was really good uh nate and i were actually talking about this because him and i are actually also reviewing this show on the game changer podcast so you're going to get a double dose of mr frets and king of the ring 2000 just so you know there will probably be a lot more details here than there, although Nate will do like his his details, and me I'll just talk about bits of this match. Anyways, here Crash and Kurt Angle, which ended up being a really good match. Kurt Angle kind of put the shine on Crash a little bit and made him look good. Uh, and they're talking about this fairy tale for Crash. Uh, Crash hits a really nice missile drop kick, uh, and it wrote here on Angle. Made him shine here. Made him look good. Couple of hope spots, but then there is an angle slam. Next up here, for the hardcore championship, Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson in an evening gown match. Oh, <sighs> well, I happen to hear sirens in the background. They're probably come coming here to take my sanity. And those pills that I just dropped, no, just kidding, they were Tic Tacs. Uh, Yeah, skip this match entirely. This is nothing but really, really badly timed garbage and uh, definitely homophobic. Even more insensitive, the fact that Pat Patterson is actually a homosexual. Sure, he might have been up for it, but I mean, come on. Ugh. Yeah, this was, this was crap. And the only thing that saved this match was Crash Holly who came out and I think he either hit a trash can lid or the kitchen sink on on Pat Patterson and then mercifully ended this hardcore championship reign of, you, you know what? I think Pat Patterson won it from Briscoe and then they were fighting backstage and then oh yeah and then mcmahon's like this is gonna be an evening gown match i know vince just booked this just for his jollies maybe i don't even know if it was for a laugh or to get off i'm not one to kink shame but seriously dude this was garbage this was borderline offensive thank god for crash holly god rest his soul and next here we had Run DMC DX versus the Dudley Boys in a dumpster match. Now, this was like a dumpster tab- tables match hybrid in which you throw your opponents through the table and then in the trash. Now, this was really convoluted. Road dog doing his usual shtick about the doghouse. Two tears in a bucket, and if you don't like it, suck it. Although the crowd went along with the sing-along here, immediate X-Pac sucks chance. There is a Bubba Bomb and Bubba's just talking trash. There was a pre was up headbutt, although, you know, weather was already a thing at this point in time. I think it was in like 99, those uh, Budweiser commercials, and then they were spoofed in every movie ever made for the next two years after thanks Budweiser yeah I was saying was I had a was up shirt I was young shut up um and then yeah Tori actually eats the was up too and you know Devon stays down there a little bit too long okay and King's like I want to rub that boo boo wait what you want to oh okay you want to rub her bing Sorry, that word's not allowed here. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a camera in the trash can. So I guess... Uh, yeah, I was going to say... So, yeah, so I guess uh, something, something Tory, something... So, I was going to say something offensive. I'm dumb. And I couldn't even land the joke. Classic awkward frets. Cut that, and it's in. Uh, Dudley boys are in the bin. And it looks like that DX wins. And the referee is just like, oh, let's check if they're in here. But they're not. They escape um, the, the side door. Uh, okay. Chairs get involved. Get the tables. Dog gets put through two tables in an over-the-top rope powerbomb. Ouch. X-Plot with the superplex. Tori gets the superbomb. And finally, we get some revenge. And Tori is going home to the trash can. There it is. And, oh, chairs again. And DX takes them out. And wins. No, Tori's super bomb was denied. And then DX gets chairs and win. DX won this feud? Wow. So DX beats the Dudley Boys again. Chairs. Thrown in the trash. Win. Uh Rodog and X Pac Escape. Eh, but Tori gets super bombed off the top rope, through the table, because the Dudley boys get a table with her name on it. Bubba, in his classic euphoric trance, and uh, Jr. with a great line, someone give Bubba a smoke. (laughs) Yeah, okay, so he orgasms Tori through a table. Yo! Okay, let's just back off there a little bit. We have a King of the Ring promo here going through the prestigious history of this prestigious title of the king of the ring except todd pentingale wasn't here to to talk about it and in the finals of the king of the ring we have kurt angle going up against rikishi uh and then kurt angle is just like you know i'm gonna kick his butt pardon my french uh such a good such a sweet cute squeaky clean kurt angle that wasn't talking about having bestiality sex with charmel yes that happened um so we see a stink face nope denied low blow clothesline kurt angle is continuously working that injured shoulder and with one arm rikishi hits a samoan drop in a massive hope spot and then he does a running diamond cutter from the quarter which was his former finisher as make a difference fought too. you know the we gotta clean it up or something the the don't do drugs rikishi uh, that transitioned between head shrinkers and the Sultan. Yeah, yeah don't, don't look it up. Uh, it was very 1995. Olympic Slam and Kish kicks out. bunzai and a two count. And then Kurt Angle places. No. Rikishi goes to the top rope and you're thinking like, oh my goodness, he's going for the head shrinker splash here. No, this is not going to be good, but he is crotched. Kurt Angle hits a second rope, Brett's rope, belly-to-belly suplex, and he is crowned the 2000 King of the Ring. All hail King Kurt. And, of course, Kurt Angle's coronation is going to take place tomorrow night on Monday Night Raw. Crap. Yeah, I forgot to watch that, too. And then the main event, in one of the most convoluted title matches ever, The Undertaker, Kane, and The Rock... Go up against Vince McMahon, Shane McMahon, and WWE champion Triple H. And Triple H's world title is on the line. So, whomever gets the pinfall on Taker Kane on the Rock side, at least, will be the champion. And for time for an unpopular opinion, my time is better than the game and King of Kings come at me and on the network uh kid rock is dubbed and instead we heard you've done it now you've gone made a big mistake yeah so this match immediately breaks up into a schmoz and everybody wants to be my lover except they want to be the champ i'm sorry i'm totally not sorry uh we see a pedigree to the rock taker's like nope uh Shane McMahon does his dance. You know, which way did he go? Which way did he go? Punch that way. Brothers fight. Taker and Kane. Brothers don't fight. Brothers got a hug. No, brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug. If you get that reference, I love you. Uh, Kane choke slams their rock. Dissension. Smellness. Another, if you get that one, I love you. Uh, so we see... Oh, man. Tombstone of the Triple H. By... I think that was by Kane. And Taker says, Nope. No, boy. You're not being champion. Shane gets super swung, chokeslammed from the top of the rope outside through a table by The Undertaker. Of course, that was uh, one of Undertaker's patented moves on SmackDown 2 for the PS1. Uh... And then in the winner here, we have The Rock pinning Vince McMahon to win the WWE title. Again. Awesome. And I think the next night on Raw, Vince McMahon is just like, you know, he's going to go home and be the genetic jackhammer. Daddy's coming home. Please, No. Anyways, that has been King of the Ring 2000. That has been June 2004. The 20 Bell Salute. Now to give you a sneak preview of what's going to be happening in July. Now July 2000, I attended the only indie show I've ever been to that came to my hometown in Cannington, Ontario. You will hear all about that. You will hear about Fully Loaded 2000 in whatever July 2000's pay-per-view was. I think it was New Blood Rising. I don't know, but I'm... No, it was Bash at the Beach. Oh, God, even worse. Oh, Jeff Jarrett laying down for Hulk Hogan. Oh, I'm going there. Yep, I'm going there. Uh, Hey, uh, if you guys want to hear something really funny... Go back and listen to the Attitude Era podcast when they covered this event. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> but I'm going to end off on a good note, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this has been the 20 Bell Salute. Thank you very much for listening. Please follow me on Twitter at the TheLegendaryJF. Follow wrestle addict Radio at Addict underscore Wrestle. Listen to all of our shows the Kings of the Rings podcast, the Delight Show, the YLP podcast, the Game Changer podcast, go on our store on Teespring. It is the month of June. It is the middle of June when I record this. And we have a pride collection. And all of the proceeds go to the Trevor Project, which is a crisis prevention for youths under 25 in the LGBTQ QIA plus community Uh, please let me know if I said that one right Uh, yeah we have some wicked designs like all of our logos done in in the style of the rainbow and we have all of our other regular merch as well from every other collection Fretzelmania my, my side project my side hustle probably the platform you're listening to this on or the Patreon page also I also have a line of merch there. If you buy a shirt, sweater, sticker, Thanks Dwayne, um mug, anything from there, please hit me up on on my social media, and I'll be sure to give you a massive shout out and a massive thank you. Uh and yeah, listen to us on our patreons We have some other great shows on there, like The Secret Files, like Love and War, uh Fretz's Fave 5, among many other great things. Uh a lot of cool things coming on Russell addict radio i'm looking forward to to uh, doing more of it with you guys so this has been mr frets god bless you i love you peace